Greetings to each one here this morning. It's good to be here. It's good to um, <clears throat> see each of you here. I uh, knew that there would be quite a few missing here this morning, and you know, you think about that. Well, okay, will the house be half full, and <laughs> will there be anybody here? And, I have to say that uh, it's just a blessing to see each of you. I remember back in our old Pikeville days and when two or three families got together, that was, that was it. <laughs> that was all of us. And uh, it's, it's just so good to be gathered together with brothers and sisters that love the Lord <clears throat> and that love each other. Thank you, Elijah, for that psalm this morning um it's just a lot in there right that would almost preach here this morning <laughs> uh, let the people praise thee oh god let all the people praise thee isn't that why we're here is to praise god together before we begin let's pray lord we thank you for this special time thank you for the church thank you for the little body here in wellman iowa as we're gathered here together to blend our hearts together, to worship you, to praise you, to honor you, and to uh, exalt you here this morning. Lord, I just pray for wisdom as I share what you've laid on my heart. Help me to say what you want me to say. And Lord, just guard my tongue from speaking those things that I would want to say, but you don't want said here this morning. I just want to be a vessel in your hand. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> it's uh, especially good to see you Martins here, Dean and your family. It's a blessing. I know you've been through a lot of pain, a lot of hurts, a lot of struggles, but God is faithful. And somehow, somehow we can, by the grace of God, can face another day and it's just good to see you and your family. <clears throat> this morning for a short meditation, let's turn to Matthew chapter 28. I've been thinking about <clears throat> the resurrection lately and uh, just like to read this account. Matthew 28, starting in verse 1. <clears throat> In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear ye not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run and bring his disciples' word. 
In Mark 16, it says, well, here it says that an angel came. There was an earthquake. The angel rolled away the stone and sat on it. And in Mark, it says that when they looked inside the tomb, there was a young man inside the tomb on the right right side. And in Luke 24, it says that there were two men in shining garments. And I've heard people say, well, you know, this kind of contradicts. And can you even trust this story because it don't all line up? These three witnesses didn't get it right, didn't, didn't see the same thing. And I, and I wondered about that, and all of a sudden it became very clear to me that there were probably hundreds of angels around there, and no one saw them all. A few saw this one, and a few saw these two, and a few saw this one. But there were probably numerous angels involved in this resurrection morning. This was too much of a, of a life-changing event. For God only to send one messenger down there to take care of this. I can only imagine if everyone could have seen all the angels that were around rejoicing and involved in this situation, there would have been a longer story. But there's one thing that all of them got exactly right, and that is the fact that the tomb is empty. Jesus is not here, He is risen. And just think about that for a minute, what that meant to God's people. There were many other false messiahs that have come and gone through the years and people that claimed to be this Jewish messiah. And all of them kind of vanished from the scene, one and one by one, down through the years. I don't know how many, I've not studied into that. But every one of them eventually died and that was the end of it. But here is one that rose from the dead. He is not here. He is risen like he said he would. And that is the exciting part this morning that I think sometimes we we face life and things get hard and things don't go our way and things happen that we have no control over. And sometimes we get our eyes off of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead to give us life. He lives. He rose from the dead. And because he lives, those that believe he is alive will be a witness that reaches around the world. Do you believe that this morning? And they will be a force that the devil himself cannot stop. If you go on and it's there toward the end of the chapter, Jesus said, And all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things and whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And in Luke 24, it says, there in verse 44, these are the words which I have I spoken to you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. 
Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, Thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, starting at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. That reaches down to us today. And in Mark 16, it says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow him them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. It sounds like a force filled with the Spirit of God going forth to conquer. And we can be a part of that this morning. You know why? Because the tomb is empty. He is not in that tomb anymore. I mean, there's a, there's a monument there right now in Israel where this is a tourist attraction where you can go see the tomb, I assume. I've not been there. I've read it. Used to be. But you can go there, but you will not find Jesus there. Jesus is not there. He is risen. The tomb is empty. Turn to Romans chapter 5 for a few verses. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5, verse 9, 10, and 11. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Can we wrap our mind around that and get that concept here this morning? He died, to, he died to reconcile us back to God. He arose to give us life so that we have power over sin, the devil and the world and anything that comes against us. Not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. And if we receive that atonement, we not only do we have life, we have power over whatever life throws at us, and we can be joyful in the whole thing somehow. In the darkest, hardest of days, somehow somehow one day we can, we can look back on that and say, and our hearts can fill with joy that God saw fit to just carry us like a lamb through that hard storm of life. Sometimes it's hard to see that joy when we're in the, ba- in the midst of the, in the flood, but somehow one day we can look back and say, you know, those were the sweetest times, and joy can fill up our hearts and just... And we say, God was there. <clears throat> I remember my brother-in-law, Martha's brother. They'd been married probably 12 years, I think, and his wife died of cancer. And it was really hard on all of us, and it was hard on him. 
There was a day when he told me, he said, you know what, I feel sorry for all of you that have never gone through that. I said, I can't explain it, but I feel sorry for those that didn't go through that. I said, how can you say that? He said, one day you'll understand. It's through those hardest of times and those hardest of times that we can really grasp the fact that Jesus really is alive and that the tomb really is empty. He is not dead. He is not here. He is risen. Romans chapter 6. I'll read the first few verses here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death. And like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in like we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this that our old man is crucified with him, and the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin, but if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Because he lives, we can live. <clears throat> For if in that he died, he died unto sin once. And in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's just the practical outworkings of us today in our day facing life. And if we face it without faith in the fact that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, if that is a foggy concept in your mind, if we don't fully grasp that, it is hard to grasp the new life that he wants to invest in us. The world and the devil are out to convince you to give up your faith. Everything around us is is out there seemingly to erode the fact that we can believe in something that happened 2,000 years ago that was so life-changing and so earth-shattering that it could affect the entire world around us. There's so much bad information out there that is posted in such a way to destroy that seed of faith in your and my hearts this morning. You carry a phone in your pocket that is full of bad information if you go find it. That will convince you that Jesus really wasn't the Messiah. That Jesus really didn't raise from the dead. And that there is now a new Messiah in Siberia that has 6,000 followers in the little Ethiopia of, of grace there that is such a beautiful thing. But they arrested him in, back in September of 2020 because he was abusing people. 
There's another one in Argentina that claims he is the Messiah. He says, I am Jesus and you just need to get over it. There's another one in Israel that rose up from the Jewish people and calls himself the Jewish Messiah. And there's some that are trying to debunk him now. And all and on and on it goes. And, and there's so many people that... And if you start following that thing on your, that little instrument in your pocket, you will become sidetracked in the fact that Jesus... Christ is the Messiah and he rose from the dead and that the tomb is empty. Even the thing of, of all the, uh, the COVID-19 and the shutdowns and, the, and now the climate shutdown and on and on and on is just out to, to, to turmoil the world and to get our focus off of the fact that the tomb is empty and that Jesus rose from the dead and that Jesus gives us power to live life. And I think sometimes we need to just hit the reset button and say, you know what, this is what I believe and this is what I have and this is what happened to me and this is why that I can face tomorrow no matter what shuts down. What do you believe? Do you really believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Do you really believe that the tomb is empty? Do I really believe, do I really believe that because he rose from the dead that I can have eternal life today and that I can face whatever happens tomorrow? Do I believe that? Or do I get worried? Do I lay awake at night with a knot in my stomach worrying about how that I'm going to do this and how I'm going to do that and how I'm going to make this happen and, how, and what, what about this and what about that? Why do we do that? Why do I do that? If Jesus rose from the dead and Jesus was given the power and as anyone told Reggie that the tomb is empty. How many people have told our dear friend Reggie down here at the little filling station that he needs to quit drinking, he needs to change his lifestyle, and he needs to quit all his wickedness, and he needs to quit drinking antifreeze to commit suicide? I'm sure people have told him and told him and told him. He needs to do all these things. But does he realize that the tomb is empty? Does he realize, has anyone told him that the tomb is empty? And that he can have the power over sin if he only repents and and believes in Jesus. And starts doing things Jesus' way. That there's power there for him to overcome anything that he wants to. He just needs to want to. But he really needs to get a hold of the one that can give him the power. If you just go tell him he needs to quit drinking, he'll probably laugh at you and say, I've tried that. I, I've, I do it every night when I run out. I promise myself I'll never do it again. And then he does it again, and he does it again, and he does it again. He has no power. You know why? He don't know that the tomb is empty. That's why he don't have any power. The poor guy. And it just dawned on me, I don't, 
Have I ever told him that? No. I've never told him that. I wonder, has he ever seen with his eyes the power of God invested in Jesus when God raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places? Turn to Ephesians in closing. Chapter 1. This is what really happened. Verse 15. Wherefore I also, this is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, to the body of believers there. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. This is what... God really wants us to get a hold of. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. The power of that God gave to Jesus when he raised him from the dead and he set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion that every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. If that isn't enough to help Reggie stop drinking and turn his life around, nothing will. And I really wonder, does Reggie know? Does he really understand? Has anybody ever really sat down and tried to explain how this really works? Or has he just been told, act right, Reggie, quit drinking. Quit messing around on your wife. And who knows who his wife is? You know, and it's just so confusing. And people, and I would have a tendency just to kind of... brush him off and just just. but if he only could understand what happened when the tomb was empty of Jesus when Jesus rose from the dead and the power that God invested in that for the church somehow I want to think that if I could only just fully grasp that 
It would help me overcome anything that the world or the devil wants to stumble us up with. May God bless you.